Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Crypto Chats. Uh, today I have got um, a very interesting story for you. Um, really, really weird topic that I happened to just stumble upon that we're going to just dive right into. Um, I, I don't really, I don't have anything really to say to kind of prepare all of you for for what I've got for you today. So we're just going to jump right into it. We're going to talk about the atmospheric beasts and also the most, one of the most famous of the atmospheric beasts, the Crawfordsville monster. Um, so let's get into it. The term atmospheric beast refers to the flying monsters of cryptozoology, ufology, and astrobiology, which I just learned, I knew what astrobiology was, but I learned the official, like I knew what it was like in uh, like a distant concept, but um, I learned from watching the Aliens in the Deep documentary on Disney Plus that it's technically boiled down to the study of extraterrestrial life. So that's cool. I, I knew what it was, but didn't know like what it was, if that makes any sense to anybody. Um, but yeah, I think that's neat. Um, so these atmospheric beasts are, are the, the flying monsters of cryptozoology, ufology, and astrobiology. Um, eyewitnesses to these sky serpents often describe them as apparently living beings, despite the fact that they go against all the rules that biologists typically apply to living creatures. They appear to have the ability to levitate without having wings and are often depicted as being some degree of invisible. Many atmospheric bee sightings were originally classified as highly unusual UFO sightings, gaining attention from many investigators, including Ivan T. Sanderson noted author and Bigfoot researcher who went on to write a book about the theory that many UFOs are actually just low-density animals native to the clouds. Um, I don't actually know which book for sure Ivan T. Sanderson wrote about this. I made an educated guess based on um, the titles of, of some of his books, and my guess is that it was probably Uninvited Visitors, a biologist look at UFOs, written in 1967. Again, I don't know that for sure, uh, but that's my educated guess just based on... Um, of what the other topics of his books and, and you know, the title and stuff kind of point to. Um, so that just summed, summing up that um, paragraph there, well, basically we've got these weird cloud creatures, right? Um, and then we've got Ivan T. Sanderson that believes that, you know, a lot of UFOs are just these cloud creatures. So moving on. The most common atmospheric beasts are air rods, which I'm sure we're all familiar with. They're the weird flying fish looking things um, that kind of look like clouds, but also like fish. And they're, they're all seen like kind of all around the world and they're, they're weird and creepy. Um, so that's one of the most comics, uh, common atmospheric beasts is the air rods. Um, but then another example are the atmospheric jellyfish, which are the jellyfish-like structures that are seen floating amongst the clouds, uh, that some people think are also made of clouds, um, that are usually said to be mistaken UFOs, uh, or misidentified UFOs, rather. So, yeah, I don't know. Atmospheric beasts, y'all. Um, I'm going to, I ripped this, I will not lie, I did not write this, I ripped it right from the cryptid wiki because I could not have said this better myself, so I'm just gonna read this to you. This is like the really general description of the atmospheric beast. I want you guys to all have like a really solid idea of what we're talking about here um, before 
you know, we get to the Crawfordsville monster before I tell you what I think about all this. I'm trying to save my opinions for the end on this one. Um, okay, so this is the uh, description of the atmospheric beast that comes from the cryptid wiki of atmospheric beasts. For those who believe, atmospheric beasts are very fragile and lightweight creatures who are native to Earth or are aliens that came from elsewhere. If the latter view is taken, then atmospheric beasts are sometimes thought to have originated in the atmosphere of some other planet, but they can also be thought of as originating in interstellar gas clouds so that they are, in effect, aliens without a native, native planet able to swim through space. Believers generally consider atmospheric beasts to be non-sapient, so that even if these creatures did originate somewhere other than Earth, they still don't count as sapient extraterrestrials. They're just animals. So that's kind of important um, to kind of keep in your brain, is that people who believe in this theory don't believe that these creatures are alien necessarily. They believe that they're just, uh, just animals and just are meant to be there, I suppose. In various eyewitness accounts, atmospheric beasts can change their density, becoming smaller, harder masses that are usually metallic in color, or they can become larger and cloud-like, even to the point of invisibility, um, which kind of would describe why they would be, uh, you know, mistaken for UFOs. That does make sense. I'll give them that. In some reports, they may glow. So that's fun. Atmospheric beasts may roughly resemble whales and are often uh, called air whales or cloud beasts. Believers think that the atmospheric beast's normal habitat is high in the air, and they might die if they ever touch the ground. And atmospheric beasts that resemble clouds may engage in behavior that is thought to be impossible for a real cloud, such as squirting a stream of horizontal water at people through quote-unquote lips, or being far too mobile and animate for witnesses to believe that it was just a patch of fog. The more solid kinds of atmospheric beasts may have mouth, eyes, flippers, and other features, but these body parts are generally arranged and shaped in a fashion that looks utterly alien, more like ocean invertebrates body plan than any animals that we're used to seeing on a daily basis. Um, so boiled down, basically, they just look crazy and weird. If they have features, they look weird. If not, they look like clouds. So um that that's all i pulled together on the actual atmospheric beast because this is a topic that while i can grasp some of it um some of it does not sit right in my brain so um in an attempt to uh explain this in a way to you guys that makes sense but also not totally derail my own brain that's i'm leaving it at that um and we're gonna jump into the actual creature that I wanted to talk about today. Um, and the reason I gave you that background on atmospheric beasts is because the Crawfordsville monster is one of the most famous um, creatures that's considered an atmospheric beast. Now, obviously, that not everybody in the world who has ever heard of it considers it that. Some people do consider it a dragon. Um, some people consider it an atmospheric beast. I don't know what I consider it. We'll see. Um, I don't know if either of those categories really make sense for me uh, personally to call it that. But anyway, um, that's why that's why you got a little bit of background on that. The atmospheric beast stuff is interesting. Um, and I would definitely recommend looking into it a little bit more if you liked what uh, the little snippet of information that I gave you guys about it. But um, I'm going to move on to the Crawfordsville monster now because that was the original topic of um, this episode. So let's get into it. 
On the morning of Saturday, September 5th in 1891, around 2 a.m., Marshall McIntyre and Bill Gray were setting up their wagons to start their day as the town's ice delivery men when they were suddenly made aware that something was off. The men described the sudden feeling as awe and dread before looking up towards the sky to see what might be causing the feeling. They were met with something they described as a horrible apparition, telling the Crawfordsville Journal, and this is a direct quote from them, it was about 18 feet long and 8 feet wide and moved rapidly through the air by means of several pairs of side fins. It was pure white and had no definite shape or form, resembling somewhat a great white shroud fitted with propelling fins. There was no tail or head visible, but there was one great flaming eye and a sort of wheezing sound was emitted from the mouth which was invisible. It flapped like a flag in the winds as it came on and frequently gave a great squirm as though suffering unutterable agony. McIntyre and Gray watched the weird creature hover in place about 300 to 400 feet above the ground for over an hour before retreating to their barn, harnessing up their horses and fleeing the area. That is a very long time to watch something that scared you that badly. Because um, I know, for me, I probably would be like, yeah... That's that's weird. That's interesting. But I have ADHD, so I don't think I could sit there for an hour and stare at this thing in the in the sky. I definitely would have run away a lot sooner. Because um, an hour before they decided, hey, maybe we should leave. That's crazy. That's so much. <laughs> uh, that same night, Pastor G.W. Switzer had also seen the creature just a few hours before McIntyre and Gray. Around midnight, Reverend Switzer stepped outside of his home to retrieve some water for the well when he spotted the apparition in the sky. Switzer awoke his wife, um, and together they watched as the creature swam through the air in a writhing, twisting manner, similar to the glide of some serpents. They noticed that several times the beast in the sky seemed to swing down towards the homes of people in the town, getting nearly close enough to the window to wake them, only to swing back up towards the open sky and continue this routine for the rest of its time. Despite the number of residents that witnessed this bizarre being, when the eyewitness reports hit the Crawfordsville Journal, many of the folks who told their tale were mocked for doing so, as, as it usually goes. Reverend Switzer took the majority of the bashing, having doctors write to him in an effort to quote-unquote cure him of the madness he so obviously had. Fortunately, there was enough buzz made with the story that it was picked up by other newspapers, such as the Indianapolis Journal, and those who believed the eyewitnesses soon outnumbered those who wrote it off as fake. The Crawfordsville postmaster was soon overwhelmed with letters from people in neighboring towns that were scared of being visited by this creature, demanding details about the creature's habits and what the likelihood that it was an omen that Judgment Day was upon them was. The scared townsfolk eventually got a theory that would calm them, after John Hornbeck and Abe Hernley supposedly followed the creature to the edge of town, where it was revealed to be simply a couple hundred killdeer plow plovers, plovers that had huddled together. The theory was that the new installation of electric lights in the town had disoriented the birds and caused them to fly in a huddle. A second theory was soon floating around thanks to a newspaper article from the previous week about teenage boys in the area tying cats to balloons with parachutes and letting them go. That's crazy. The theory was that it was just cats on balloons. Um, <laughs> that's so weird. Also, what a thing to do. What a, what a thing to pass the time with. Anyway. 
Neither theory fully matches what was described by the townspeople of Crawfordsville, but the Kildeer theory was the only one that was widely accepted to help calm the nerves of those that were freaked out by the implications of a flying one-eyed creature. So, let's talk about this for a second. Um, so we got a weird, big, one-eyed creature that seems, you know, almost like, what did they say? Um, has no definite form or shape. It's kind of just floating around, um, being, being a weirdo. With a flaming eye. The flaming eye is confusing to me because I don't know what that means. Uh, was it on fire? Was it just really bright? I'm not really sure. Um, but that's weird, and essentially this, this creature gets written off as being, um, you know, a bunch of birds huddled together. Um, and I have my questions about that because I don't understand how that creates a flaming eye. I just still don't really understand that. I'm going to be hung up on this flaming eye thing for a while. Um, yeah, I don't know. I have a lot of questions about this encounter, but since it happened in 1891, I doubt I will get any answers about it. Um, do be liking this giant eyeball though. But okay, so now that we've reached the end of, you know, what I have written for this episode, I want to give my opinion a little bit on atmospheric beasts as a concept. So, <clears throat> and I mean this in the nicest way possible. This shit is crazy. Um, cuckoo bananas. I don't know. I like to believe a lot of things. I think if you've listened to my show for a long time, then at this point, you know that most things I believe, and I, I want to believe, even if, even if all of the, you know, information is pointing towards it being untrue or fake or whatever, I like to, I have, you know, and this is a fitting saying for <laughs> this specific topic, but I have my head in the clouds a lot of the times about a lot of things, and I, I'll be the first to admit that, um, just because I like to. I like to live in a world where these things could be real. Um, as far as cloud ghosts that swim through the atmosphere, um, and travel through space and, uh, space gas clouds, um, I don't know. I have a hard time being sold on this theory. Um, and I'll be honest, when I saw that Ivan T. Sanderson had kind of written a, a book about this theory that these UFOs might just be low-density animals native to the clouds, for half a second I was like, okay, you know, I trust Ivan T. Sanderson. He's a smart man. I, I trust his his thoughts and his opinions. But I don't know if I trust this one. Um, I mean, I guess it's possible. Maybe. I don't know. That's that, that part of me that wants to believe everything coming through again. Um, but my initial thought process with these atmospheric beasts is to be like, this is made up. This is not real. So I don't know. That's just me. Um, I would love to hear everybody else's opinions. I mean, if, if you're a true atmospheric beast fan, um, please shoot me a message because I would love to, love to have a chat about it. Um, but as far as, as some of this goes, I really honestly think it's just clouds. Um, you know, it's just clouds. Like I have, I have spent time, you know, laying on the ground, looking at the clouds and staring at one cloud long enough that it looks like it moves. Um, I think we've all done that. Just that's how things go sometimes. Um, but you know, squirting a stream of horizontal water at people through lips is, I don't think that's real. <laughs> I think maybe, um, you took some, some drugs or something, maybe a little bit of acid, do a little acid to go lay in the lay in the grass to have a nice time. Um, and now it looks like the the clouds are spraying water at you. 
Sometimes that's just called rain. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. You know, I don't know how to feel about this. I want to, I want to say it's not real, but, um, again, because of how, how I am as a person and how I like to think that everything could be real. Um, it's like, I like 90% of me says it's fake and then 10% is like, well, maybe it's not. So yeah, that's my, that is my thought process on the atmospheric beast. If you, I would love to talk to somebody about it, if anyone has an opinion on it or, um, maybe thinks that they're real and has some, you know, thoughts as to why I would love to hear it. So, um, please message me if that's the case. As far as the Crawfordsville monster, bro, I have no idea. I got no clue. Um, it's a creature that is said to be an atmospheric beast. And I'm like, yeah, I can see why. Um, but there's not really like any information about where it went, whether it just like, you know, shot back up into the sky or just, a, you know, wandered off to the woods and eventually disappeared. There are a lot of things about this, this creature that just don't, don't make a lot of sense, but I like it and I think it's interesting. So that's why you got to hear about it today. Um, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, we're gonna end it there because, um, truthfully I could go on for another 20 minutes about how I feel about this, uh, this topic in general. Um, but for the sake of my sanity and your sanity, we're gonna, we're gonna be done with it. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, next week I will be back with a little bit more of a down to earth topic. <laughs> Get it? Um, cause it's not an alien. Um, <laughs> so it'll be a little bit, a little bit easier of a topic to digest next week. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed, um, this crazy long-winded episode on the atmospheric beast and the Crawfordsville monster. Um, and I will see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Bye.